Welcome to Season of the Bitch, the leftist podcast slinging hot takes on the force. Today we have Hope, Kellen, Laura, and Lindsay. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you all for being cool with us taking a week off. I think we all really needed a week to recharge ourselves. And now we are back and stronger than ever with this super cool and not at all nerdy episode where we talk about our analysis of the newest Star Wars. Yeah. There will be spoilers. So we hope you've seen the movie. If you haven't, I would say go ahead and see that before you listen to this. Or if you don't care about having spoilers, you can listen to our ramblings before you see it. But you've been warned about the spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd, I'm not going to speak for all of us, obviously, but I'd like to start by saying, and sorry if this offends, but this was... No, no sorry. No right. sorry. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this was one of the best Star Wars movies of all time. And I'm not sorry, random guy yes. who petitioned to have this film removed from the canon. <laughs> you are not correct. <laughs> um, so let's start with some background on the Star Wars franchise and what it has done in its quote unquote feminist portrayals. So in both trilogy sets before this one, there was essentially one character who was feminine, Leia in the originals and Padme in the prequels. Both of those characters had their own really problematic bullshit, most notably the scene where Leia was reduced to a bikini-wearing slave in episode mm. six, and she never got to talk su substantively to another woman unless she had, like, an off-screen chat with the ill-fated green dancer, Ula. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, Padme too. I full disclosure was Padme Amidala for Halloween, I think in second grade. So yeah, I'm definitely a big fan of hers. She was head of mm -hmm. state, originally a queen, and then later an elective rep elected, I should say, representative for her home planet Naboo in uh, the Galactic Senate, which is pretty cool. But then she um, inexplicably falls in love with Anakin, who sucks and, like, talks yep. extremely slowly and makes these unsexy comments about stupid things like how much he hates sand. And then the worst part is that she has kids and he goes crazy. Reed slaughters an entire town with all the men, women, and children and tells her that he wants absolute power. <laughs> yeah. And then she just, like, dies, quote unquote, of a broken heart. Like... I'm sorry, you're traveling around the universe at warp speed and you still have doctors diagnosing women with, quote unquote, a broken heart as a cause yep. of death. Like, 
do medical professionals fail to take women seriously in every galaxy? (laughs) (laughs) I should add that there's um, an amazing Vice article by Sarah Jong entitled, Did Inadequate Women's Healthcare Destroy Star Wars Old Republic? Yeah. It covers this (laughs) issue and a lot of other problems in the prequels from a feminist perspective, and everybody should read it. Yes. Is Dying of a Broken Heart pretty much like the... um... Star Wars version of like hysteria, like she was hysterical <laughs> and then she died. Ugh. Yeah, essentially. I think essentially. it technically can happen to like widows in their 80s. Like that's a, a real thing that doesn't happen to people whose spouses and children are still alive and doing well. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It, but And it like can on a medical level be reduced to like a prolonged anxiety and panic attack due to like loneliness. <laughs> so you can actually like, anyway. So this trilogy, while it does have its issues, which we will get into later, is an obvious step in the right direction. Do we really need to reward directors for actually having prominent women in movies? Probably not. But it still is significant in that most people still don't fucking do it. Mm-hmm. Also, I want to say that this film stands alone in its portrayal of women in the sense that The Force Awakens only did some of the things that The Last Jedi accomplished. And Rogue One also essentially only had one strong woman character. Yeah, one thing I was thinking as we were getting ready for this episode is I would really like to see increasingly more complex non-male characters in movies, but I'd also like to see writers and directors allow them to have flaws. So that's like my one small criticism of this movie is I felt like all of the strong female leads were like they just showed them as being pretty flawless in a lot of ways. And I was watching Little Women over when I had some time off recently. And there's a scene where they're sitting around talking about women's suffrage. And a man at the table makes the point that women should be able to vote because they're thoughtful, fair, and gentle. And Joe responds that women should be allowed to vote because they're people. Mm. Um, And it made me think that I sort of feel similarly about female characters in movies. It's wonderful that so many of them are strong and wise, but they shouldn't have to be totally devoid of flaws or totally good and pure to be shown in the movie. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. In addition to having stronger women characters, this film moves away from the heroic man narrative. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Actually making most of the masculine figures really problematic and filled with toxic masculinity and poor decision making. Yeah. um, There's this article by Katie Burt called Toxic Masculinity is the True Villain of Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) Avoiding spoilers as I did, I only saw the headline before I saw the movie. But when I went to see the movie, I noticed the theme immediately. Um, Of course, I think it might be an overstatement to say that it's the true villain of Star Wars. Obviously, (laughs) its impact wherever it exists leads to mass deaths at worst and lessened efficacy at best. But I think universal imperialism might just be a bigger baddie here. (laughs) So the movie starts out with Poe acting all heroic and when his mission is failing, he refuses to give up. And while they successfully take out a dreadnought in the end, a bunch of his comrades get killed in action. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Poe gets back to the ship feeling very self-satisfied because they did destroy the dreadnought, but Leia demotes him for his failure to follow orders, which led to the loss of many of the Resistance's best pilots. Yeah. So first scene, boom, man puts uh, his ego above the best interest of the movement as a whole and the judgment of a woman in a position of authority over him and gets immediately checked by that woman. Mm-hmm. There's no net gain, obviously. The Resistance loses many good fighters and Leia had to waste her time and emotional energy teaching a grown man how to follow instructions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not only that, but he also 
automatically regards Admiral Holdo with suspicion once Leo's Leia is incapacitated, and he mounts his own plan to save everybody that's ultimately futile instead of trusting that supremely competent General Organa would select an equally competent replacement. Yes. And Poe is the toxic masculinity success story of the movie. Yes. yes. <laughs> so we also have Luke who feeling shame after almost killing his nephew and being the final catalyst that drove Ben Solo to become Kylo Ren, couldn't face himself or his family, couldn't own up to what he did or try to make it better because he was ashamed of his actions. And so rather than try to own his feelings and the consequences of his actions, he ran away to an uncharted island with or uncharted planet, I guess, with the hopes of never being heard from again. (laughs) So he was kind of redeemed in the end as well, not by defeating the First Order or anything, but by showing up late and wasting the First Order's time by being a hologram, I guess. (laughs) Um, It was really cool. I I really enjoyed that scene. It was very visually appealing. Mm -hmm. Um, Very satisfying. But maybe he could have done more had everybody not wasted the entire last movie looking for him and the majority of this movie convincing him, presumably the last Jedi and obviously a very powerful one, to do anything at all. Yeah, um, I like that also, really quickly, I'm sorry, yeah, that totally. the only person that like could get sense into him was the ghost of Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> Me like off. it wasn't Ray being like we're all fucked. It wasn't anything else. It was just like the ghost of Yoda. It's like okay, yes, I'll listen to you. Yeah, <laughs> a clear example of how women's emotional labor is devalued until its value is reinforced by a respected male figure. Story of right. my life. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, the most glaring example of toxic masculinity in the movie is found in Kylo Ren, or as Poe says, Kyle O'Ren. <laughs> He obviously had something dark in him from the get-go, which may be a product of his being Darth Vader's grandson or may be from the more regular reasons that dangerous men become dangerous. Mm. Um, But clearly he has no control over his temper. So if you remember the scene from The Force Awakens where he decimates a ship's control panel because Rey and Finn helped BB-8 off Jakku, like, destroyed the entire functionality of the ship, essentially. Um, or the scene from The Last Jedi where he just smashes the shit out of his helmet because it was insulted. So he believes he's destined for greatness because he's been told that all of his life, but clearly self-discipline is a lesson he missed out on. And he's been rewarded for it thus far, far with continued career success, leading to his becoming the fucking emperor, I guess. Um <laughs> <laughs> Supreme leader. Supreme okay, leader. Okay, there you go. Um, <laughs> uh, so in preparation for this episode, I listened to Ben Shapiro's review of this movie, oh, so no. you don't have to. Yes. And uh, he was pissed off that Ray, who had never held a lightsaber before, was able to defeat Kylo, who had been trained as a Jedi since childhood. Uh, but I think that in a galaxy of land manatees and star destroyers, it's mm-hmm. entirely plausible that a man with evidently little self-control wouldn't be able to defeat a novice with clear natural talent. Mm-hmm. Of course, I really wanted him and Ray to band together by the end of the movie, but Ray is so clearly fighting for something much bigger than herself, and Kylo won't put his own ego on the back burner for two seconds. So my guess is that it will take another male character to tell him what Ray has been telling him in order for him to leave the dark side. Yeah. Those are my predictions for 2019 based on the character development thus far and what I know about men taking control of their uncomfortable feelings. 
<laughs> anyway, all the badass women taking action and getting whiny, self-centered men to do what they're supposed to do was the most realistic thing that could happen in any sci-fi movie. Oh yes. my gosh, too real. <laughs> the thing that you were talking about with Kylo Ren, like, smashing, just smashing things when he doesn't get his way, is, mm-hmm. it was, that's, ugh, too real. I, mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons that Kylo Ren is so scary, at least to me, is that he's so realistic. Like, what do school shooters look like? They look like Kylo Ren. What does the guy who kills his ex-wife and all of her coworkers at a party look like? Kylo Ren. There's this really very real sense of male entitlement that he embodies and the absolute rage that he embodies when he doesn't get his way is far too familiar to many of us. Like mm-hmm. the, the scene that Lindsay was talking about actually both of the scenes that she was talking about in the last two movies reminded me, I think so many of us have had someone in our, you know, in our families, you know, maybe an abusive father or bosses that we've had to work for who are sent off at the slightest thing and just fly into a rage. And you can see on the faces of the people who work, you know, on the ships, like the employees that Kylo Ren has, how, scared they are of him and Mm -hmm. how much they you know how seriously they take it that he could just destroy anything at any moment and obviously most of the men that we deal with in our lives are not in charge of you know a fleet of star destroyers or anything but it's so real yeah the 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 fear that so many people feel men and women I think but especially women when dealing with the men like this who have you know maybe sociopathic tendencies and who do just fly into rages because you know society allows them to do that Mm -hmm. I still like the character I think Kylo has a compelling backstory and there's definitely a suggestion that he's potentially capable of change but oh in his like most furious moments he is just he's too terrifying for comfort Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that there's also going along that line, like the reality that a lot of the terrible, like mass shootings that happen are people with military backgrounds or some sort of training in weaponry. And like that is also his case. But try pulling it a little lighter. Um, <laughs> I, I, I love that Kylo Ren's whole character and Luke's whole character are revolving around their abandonment issues. And while Ray realizes that she was literally sold out by her parents and that clearly affects her, she doesn't act like a petulant teenager smashing her helmet into the wall. But to be fair, I feel like learning that would warrant some fucked up behavior also. So I, I like I think that it's realistic that Kylo is behaving that way. I just show I think it shows like Ray's strength mm-hmm. in in her ability to like not do that. <laughs> totally. I think we're going to pause and take a quick music break here. And when we come back, we're going to have some more hot, fiery takes on this awesome movie. Yeah. Woo. Come 
cap. Opened her legs and let me out. Hungry as a prairie dog. Young man in America. Young man in America. Hungry, hungry. Running at me which way? Young man in America. I come out like a cannonball. Come of age of alcohol. Raven in the field of rye. With the black and roving eye. Shelter us. Ooh. My father was a lord of land. My daddy was a repo man. Put me out onto the street. Didn't give a damn for me. Did not give a damn. Daddy, daddy. Gonna wish you never had me. I'm a young man.
So I wanted to start the second half with some of my favorite women power move moments. <laughs> and the a small but crucial one is when Holdo, a.k.a. badass purple-haired general. Played by Laura Dern, or should I say Laura Dam? Yes. Mm-hmm. So when Holdo and Leia say goodbye at and start to say, may the force be with you at the same time, they both laugh and say, no, you. And it's a nod to the way that women interact with one another not interrupting and just felt genuine and common among women friends mm-hmm. i was like tearing up at that moment it was so yeah, good it was fucking Honestly. awesome my favorite of all time was rose being the most badass anti-capitalist hero of this whole film her understanding of capitalism and its terrorism on the galaxy through the scenes on that planet with the quote worst people of all time and she rescues those fathiers, <laughs> a.k.a. the sad horse dogs, recruits a child to the resistance, and educates Finn on the fucked up nature of capitalism and greed all within one scene. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> She's the fucking best. And then this kind of heart harkens back to what Hope was saying before, and honestly, haters going to hate, but I'm down with Phasma's character because some people think that her character was pointless, which I totally get, but... I also think we needed a woman stormtrooper because women can be good and evil, and it's nice to not be like, we will only portray women in a positive light. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And I think Finn needed that. Like, I think Finn is one of the most interesting characters because we've never had, like, someone who was raised from a baby stormtrooper, and, like, that in and of itself creates such an interesting dynamic for him. And he needed to, like confront that in this massive way and to the fact that phasma was like this evil stormtrooper woman was pretty amazing i'm also glad that leia had her force moment <laughs> <laughs> we've known since the originals that she's been tapped into the force at least mildly even though she doesn't identify as a jedi and for her to force her way back onto the ship i don't know i was into it <laughs> My mom, like, hated that part. We talked about this recently. She was like, oh, so unrealistic or whatever. And it definitely, like, wasn't my favorite, but it was it was cool. It was definitely cool, and I'm glad that she survived. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm also super glad that throughout the whole movie, we see Finn and Ray mentioning each other as friends and continuously striving to see each other. But whereas in The Force Awakens, we see that Finn is romantically interested in Ray. In this one, I feel like the relationship takes on like a definitive friendship feel, mm-hmm. especially with the growth of Rose's character. And I am so down with that friendship. And I think the well-trodden trope of like friendship can conquer a lot of shit because it drives you is still a good one. <laughs> so I'm going to stop here in here and say that like I want to see like a Ray Finn makeout session. Like I think there's still <laughs> I think there's still a little spark there. Um, actually, no, I'm going to rephrase i want to see a finn poe makeout session oh my god like, like yes. every other yes. human being but if that doesn't happen <laughs> i'm totally into finn finn and ray i like rose and finn as an unrequited thing honestly mm. um and while we're talking about <laughs> couples we ship i'd like to think that leia and laura dern like you oh yeah shared some cuddles while leia got over han uh but y'all can just wait for my fanfic <laughs> on that one literal dreams would come true (laughs) can i just also say like i don't know poe had like a mildly homophobic comment when he first sees finn though where he's like oh we got to get some clothes on you oh i I don't know i thought that was like a flirtatious thing 
That was kind of oh, okay. how I read it. Was like oh. I saw it as like he felt embarrassed that he was like in his underwear, and I was like, okay, Poe, calm the fuck down. <laughs> <laughs> but let's hope it's not homophobic. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt there. I also have to say that the scene where it like in Snoke's chamber where he dies and Rey and Kylo fight side by side is one of the most badass fight scenes in the canon. Yes. And then afterwards, Kylo is being all, let's rule the galaxy together. And Rey doesn't miss a fucking beat and is like, don't do this, Ben. Yeah, that shit is super dope. And Rey isn't a power hungry mess. Going back to Lindsay's article. (laughs) And also her just fucking yelling at the top of her lungs and like seeing the veins popping out of her her neck is like the most intense and amazing shit ever. (laughs) Love it. Also, when Holdo, a.k.a. Laura Dam, is, <laughs> like, she fucking calls Poe a trigger-happy flyboy. I lost my shit in the absolute best way possible. And then after Leia stuns him, Holdo and Leia have this moment where they talk about how much they like Poe, mm-hmm. which, again, shows how they can be badass leaders with foresight, but also see the potential and good in people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They're just like very dynamic characters and I was like obsessed. Um, (laughs) Also, when Rey goes down into that swamp land, which is the metaphor for the dark side on the island, she just fucking does it. She's not afraid of the dark side, which I think illustrates her strength. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And she sees the force for what it is and she knows that the lightness and darkness need to exist and she trusts herself to not be fucking swayed by the darkness. Meanwhile, literally every masculine character in the same spot is like, ah, the darkness. It's so intense. I can't. (laughs) That's a really good point. Oh, man. Yeah. It's a really good impression. Also, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That was my Luke. (laughs) Perfect. Nailed it. So, yeah. So, men. Men can be trash. But you know what is always trash? capitalism yeah oh boy did this episode drive that point home so like laura brought this shit up already but i think it's super worth diving into even further the whole b plot or c plot or whatever with finn and rose on planet vegas has gotten some crap online but honestly it was one of my favorite parts of the whole dang movie i feel like stefan from those old snl skits but like this movie has everything it's got shitty billionaires throwing away money. It's got child labor. It's got narcs yapping to the cops about parking violations. <laughs> it's got police brutality when the cops use traffic violations as an excuse to be way too aggressive with two people of color before unceremoniously throwing them in jail. They've got resource extraction and colonialism. They've got worker consciousness building. They've got arms dealers in the military industrial complex. Um, <laughs> I really want to talk about colonialism slash imperialism slash kind of global north, global south projected onto the Star Wars universe is almost like a galactic north and a galactic south, if you will. LOL. (laughs) Three of the four main young heroes, everyone but Poe, and like you could debate whether he's part of this too, are very much part of the colonial galaxy as as opposed to what we might call the metropole, which is where... Mm capital is centered you know finn is a conscripted child soldier rose comes from this mining community that has just been decimated both environmentally and on a human level 
as it was like mercilessly stripped of resources by the kinds of people we see partying on Canto Bites. And then Ray is just like this child of a wasteland planet whose parents are apparently indigent and sold her away. I think it's awesome, actually, and a great reminder of who we should be constantly centering in the movements in our own galaxy. Totally. Not to mention when Rose and Finn escape with DJ, a.k.a. the dude who breaks them out of Cantobite before selling his soul to the highest bidder. (laughs) And he has this whole amazing scene where he shows who that arms dealer of the ship they sold was dealing to. Or stole. And the arms dealer was dealing to the First Order and the Republic. Mm -hmm. He essentially was like, none of these sides matter to the people who are here to make a profit. And essentially pushes back on Rose's whole thing when they first get to Canto Bite when she's like, you only get this rich by selling to one buyer. And that's the First Order. Mm. And DJ is just like, sorry, it's more like you get rich by selling to everyone and having a monopoly of arms dealing across the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I was also just thinking that in terms of organizing, this scene really speaks to the power of true diversity, race, class, you know, all kinds of background experience. Because I think Rose's experience is so invaluable to their success here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we have amazing characters like Leia, too, who grows up with about as much privilege as you can have as the adopted daughter of the rulers of Alderaan. Um, but by the time we meet her in these new sequels, she's a general. She's long cast off her royal mantle. I mean, her planet was destroyed, so like she's not the princess of anything anymore. But um, <laughs> she's definitely a badass and a class traitor and so yep. many other awesome things. But I love the direction the series has taken, kind of moving away from this static, dynastic feel and into a realm where the heroes aren't exclusively the sons or daughters of the last set of heroes. I read a really interesting thread on Twitter from at fangirl Jean, uh, who pointed out that a fascination with bloodlines has been so important to so many terrible and interrelated institutions like white supremacy and colonialism and fascism and so on. It makes sense that Kylo Ren would get as much attention as he did, sort of like Lindsay was saying earlier, you know, both from Luke and then from Snoke. And he's incredibly powerful for sure, but Rey is powerful too. And if we were watching a Star Wars universe as concerned with family and direct inheritance as it has been in the past, we never would have met Rey or Rose. And I think we, as an audience, would be worse off for it. Totally. And I think the fact that we learned that Rey's parents were essentially nobodies and then that boy at the end who moves the broomstick with the Force is also a nobody. Oh, yeah. We get rid of a lot of the bloodline stuff when it comes to the Force specifically. Not that that was necessarily a given before because there were always creatures across species that could access the Force. But it was never really addressed in the way that it is now. And this one really drives home the idea that anyone can become a Jedi. I mean, not everyone, (laughs) but you know, like it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't have to do with bloodlines. I also want to talk about the real fucking toxic masculinity backlash that (laughs) folks are having on the internet. The fact that Rotten Tomatoes has a 56% user grade after over 100,000 votes is just one indicator of the terrible nature of humanity. Um, And essentially, people can't handle that Luke was actually going to kill Kylo Ren, even though that arguably made his character far more compelling. Yeah. And because I'm such a tech nerd, I think it's worth mentioning here, too, that user-generated reviews may have their own set of issues. 
Mm-hmm. So for the Star Wars movie, for this Star Wars movie, there's some talk now that someone used bots to tank the Rotten Tomatoes score, um, basically like bypassing the captcha and like get, sending in a bunch of fake bad reviews. And although Rotten Tomatoes says that's not the case, it's still something to consider. These kinds of crowdsourced and unverified reviews, at the very least, run the risk of boosting the feelings of the most outraged or motivated reviewers, positive or negative, giving kind of a false sense that it's really pervasive. I also think it's possible that the studio or someone else could coordinate a negative review campaign in order to generate false controversy, which works. I mean, we're talking about this right now, not that it wasn't a great movie, but we're talking about the controversy itself. Um, So at any rate, it's really interesting that this movie has the biggest disparity of critics versus user review scores in Rotten Tomatoes history. Mm, Which is crazy. There's just like a whole fucking spectrum of ways that people can put their opinions out in the world, which I found in doing research for this. There's a fucking dude on YouTube called The Dishonored Wolf. Just don't even look him up because I don't even I don't want anyone to like even add to his views who gave his quote unquote insightful take on this calling Rose over and over again a quote fat Asian bitch who he calls the new Jar Jar Binks of this series and that her role has no point in the movie and that he desperately wished that she would die are you fucking kidding me dude Jesus Christ and not do not only is this dude spewing sexist racist nonsense through the whole fucking 40 minute video but this video has 500,000 views. Yes, it has 8,000 down votes, but it has 30,000 up votes. And the whole fucking vitriol of white men feeling like their heroic idyllic picture of men is being squashed is really intense. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Just for what it's worth, Ben Shapiro also has an issue with every single character of color in this movie. What? Oh. Who's surprised? Lindsay, can you yeah. can you elaborate on that? Like, what? I mean, not to give this guy too much of our time, but it, like. Uh. I just I think he like he thought the characters were pointless like mainly Finn and Rose he especially hated like the Canto Bite plot which I I think as a plot point was kind of pointless but as a story I thoroughly enjoyed it but yeah he had no good things to say about that and was just like I don't know just talking about how it's like a an SJW plot point talking about income inequality and just I don't know they were they were pointless was was his main point Yeah. yeah um I don't know. Just didn't like them. Didn't have anything positive to say. His favorite, of course, was Kylo Ren. So, <laughs> Really precious. Who's surprised? Yeah. <laughs> so sorry for going there, but it's totally worth talking about no because the internet can be a terrible fucking place. And I wanted people to know that while we're criticizing aspects of this film, it's not on some jaded holding on to the quote unquote legacy of Star Wars i.e. an overt masculine and terrorizing series. It's just because we think it's fucking awesome and we're pointing out small things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's funny to me. I mean, not really funny, but whatever. Because I had the exact opposite takeaway from the movies and how they should be changed from these guys. Because, I mean, that may not be surprising, but I'm like, make it queer, you know? Like, why are there genders in space (laughs) anyway? Um... I know it's not the point of the series at all, but if we stop and think about it, there are so many ways life forms, even complex life forms on Earth, reproduce. You know, like, why don't we have pregnant men walking around? I mean, like, pregnant, like, genetic males. Like, you know, we've got that in our in our 
um, seahorses here under the sea. I want to see that in Star Wars. Why wouldn't it be the same when you're dealing with creatures from Jabba the Hutt to Admiral Akbar to our beloved Laura Dern? Um, (laughs) I would love to see even in the background some of the potential for the like radical reinterpretation of earthly norms that a Star Wars Star Wars universe offers you know like Mm -hmm. I'd love to see it in the human characters too I don't necessarily get the sense that we there's like a racial hierarchy or a system of white supremacy in the galaxy that we're dealing with Um, Although there certainly seems to be a preference for humans over other life forms. Mm -hmm. That's all to say that there's no reason not to have even more human diversity represented on screen. Rose Mm -hmm. is the only significant woman of color in the franchise. And um, no, we're not counting the blue skinned Jedi from the prequels as a woman of color. Um, (laughs) Give me more, you know, why is Lupita Nyong'o just a voice actor for Maz? Like put her on screen, y'all. Give me trans characters. Give me openly gay characters. Star Wars Mm -hmm. gives us this incredible opportunity to explore life's many forms and expressions while still like following this central narrative of good versus evil, selflessness versus self-interest, the many versus the few. And like for me, that's why I love the series so much, you know? Yeah. Can I just say here that this makes me really even more excited for your fan fiction? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we are here it's for it. It's going to be lit. Yeah, we are I here think... for it. And I forgot to talk about how, how much I fucking love Maz. Like, literally the only sh- scene she's in in this film, she's fucking <laughs> slaying shit on a screen and she's like laying down wisdom at the same time. I love it so much. I think some, I don't know, I, something I didn't think of until just now was uh, in the prequel trilogy, mm-hmm. um, there are so many, like, races of characters that, or, like, I don't know, creatures, people, whatever, who are so clearly racial caricatures. Mm. Um, like, there's, I mean, Jar Jar Binks seems like an obvious one, and then there are some that have, like, the clear, stereotypical, like, Asian accent that white people do when they're like impersonating Asian people and they have I don't know like features that and you can clearly look at them and be like oh yeah so this is an Asian character and there are some that are like yeah that's clearly a Jewish caricature and so now we finally have actors who are like we have black actors we have Asian actors and they're playing like well I guess they're not black and Asian character uh, characters because we don't have you know Africa or Asia in whatever galaxies we're in. Right. But we've moved from caricatures to, like, actual representations. Yes. Um, And I think that's significant. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just, like, I recognize that we as humans like to see other humans on screen and, like, it's so much easier to follow emotion when it's on a face we can recognize. But, like, Mm -hmm. I've always just been, like, why are there so many people who are Jedis? And why do we never see, like, whatever species Jabba the Hutt is as a Jedi, you know? Mm-hmm. This is not relevant to our our episode right now. Yeah. Like, I do feel like, like, I hate the prequels with a fucking fiery passion, but the scenes where it's, like, the council, the Jedi council, it's, like, all different species and shit. And, like, the fact that Yoda even existed and he was, like, a foot tall and <laughs> was, like, a badass. Like, there was so much more done with that. And, and we do see that more, I would say, like, 
like I do think that there's a divide between like the Republic slash um, the resistance Mm. where there is far much more species diversity on the among the resistance fighters like you see it in the pilots you see it on like the bigger battleship before it gets blown to pieces like Admiral Akbar and all of that and like you you almost see none of that within the first order yeah that's Um, true like and I think that that is is at least in a mild way a commentary of like a fascist dictatorship that is the first order Mm. um, creating much more of a hierarchical thing and Within the resistance, even though there is certainly like probably still a human hierarchy, like you see things like Admiral Akbar and even Maz, like, like, yes, I would love to see that actor on screen, but also Maz is like a Yoda figure, even though she's not really tapped into the force. Mm -hmm. And she's just like a small creature with these massive eyes and like fucking badass. So I don't know. Like, I, I just have been thinking about that a lot and how on the resistance side of things, we do see more species diversity than on the first order side, at least. Mm. I also think to move more into kind of the real world, we <laughs> should be putting emphasis on content creators as well and diversity there. Cause I love yeah. Joseph Campbell where a lot of the star Wars uh, original thinking was taken from, but you know, he and George Lucas are white men. And yeah. as long as we have mostly white men who are able to write the stories and produce the stories, we're always going to have a degree of tokenism. Um, totally. I'm, I don't know if you all know much about Afrofuturism, but mm-hmm. I'm like obsessed with it. It's the coolest. And the idea that, you know, black people were able to just say like, hey, w- we should be in space. Why don't we like imagine this, take this for ourselves, tell the stories and be able to create this kind of sci-fi because it is so aspirational and telling the stories is is just such a such a big thing for people yeah totally yeah all right well I think it would be great to kind of finish this the show up just talking about some of I mean we've begun to do this already some of the ridiculous shit from this episode or in Star Wars in general because there is just so much yes Um, so I'll start with this. Uh, I've said it before. It's definitely not an original thought, but, um, what is going on with Kylo Ren's head? (laughs) (laughs) I've seen Adam Driver's head before on like his shirtless body, um, which like, it's fine. I don't really get the hype, but whatever. At least he's like semi normally proportioned. So like what happened in this movie? Why was shirtless Kylo Ren's head so tiny when his shoulders are so big? I I have, like, a really big noggin, so, like, maybe it's just too personal for me, um, but <laughs> I, I was really confused, and that sense of confusion has not left me since I watched the movie. Totally. Also, like, LOL at Ray's <laughs> line about wanting him to put something over his body, and he just straight up ignores her. She's like, uh, can you put something on, like, when they're having the force connection or whatever? And he's like, I'm just going to talk to you about other things <laughs> like and just totally ignore her i was like yeah like listen to ray you need a shirt but here we, <laughs> here we are again with men just doing whatever the hell they please <laughs> yes um i also want to talk about the opening scene i can't tell if i loved it or hated it when poe po is just trolling the shit out of hux to stall and is like oh, yes hi Gen- is this hux I'll hold and like all of this other shit and like 
I like the idea that this does set up the idea that you think Poe is a fucking badass, but then you realize that he's just a trigger happy fly boy after all. Um, I like that, but I also think like, is it reasonable? I mean, I think it's reasonable to think that Hux would like be trolled because he's just too fucking uptight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I've heard some critiques thinking that like people are like, he would never fall for that. <laughs> I really enjoyed that scene as much as I criticized it earlier. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it's okay to enjoy it while also being like, yeah, I'm glad I don't have to deal with this guy. But um, yeah, (laughs) totally. Yeah, I I thought it was I thought it was really funny. I liked that there was some sort of like lighter humor in the movie, Mm -hmm. even if it's sometimes it was it felt kind of like out of place almost. I still enjoyed it. Um, And sort of on that that positive note, um, I loved the animals in this movie. Um, yes. Everybody online keeps talking about that manatee thing that Luke milks, which like, whatever, oh. you know. <laughs> I was going to talk about how fucked up it is, like the green milk dripping down Luke's face. But I think the best thing that it does is show how pathetic Luke has become oh. um, on while he's been like wallowing away on that island. That's such a good reading of it. Like that's like a... You, you took that and you you did some analysis on it. Um, I was just <laughs> grossed out by it. Uh, but like, oh my gosh, the Porgs. They are yes. so cute and no one can tell me otherwise. Yeah, I want several. Uh, counterpoint, they're the space version of Minions and I'm already mad that I'll never be able to stop seeing them. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with Lindsay on that one. <laughs> They're never going away. <laughs> I I also loved the little like grumpy gremlins who guarded the Jedi's um, you know, uh yes. homes and stuff. They <laughs> yes. were very much my galactic kindred spirits, just like grumpy and angry about everything all the time. The slightest disturbance to their like, oh my gosh, I just I really yes. identified with them. Um also the Favier's I'm not sure if I'm saying that quite right, but those majestic giant horse dogs were wonderful. And I am so glad they all got free at the end. Even if, you know, the rich people are just going to find some jungle expedition guy to scoop them all up again, you know? Totally. I also feel like some of the weakest dialogue was at that exact moment because Finn was all, this was worth it, even if we get caught to destroy all of this capitalist nonsense, it was worth it. And Rose takes off the saddle like ceremoniously and is like, now it was worth it. <laughs> and they just like smile at one another. And I was just like, this is what, like you both are way better than this fucking cheesy ass interaction. <laughs> Real. Um, I agree. Uh, but to me, it felt like they're both kind of searching for a silver lining before they're going to be tossed in prison or killed. Uh, so in the scheme yeah. of the rest of the movie, it was really, really cheesy, but... I think in that moment, if you think about what those characters would have felt, then, I mean, they were just looking for something to validate their their bullshit uh, excursion uh, mm. that resulted in possibly their deaths. Um, yeah, as far as totally. in that moment. So, I don't know. Yeah, I also it's think really... Star Wars dialogue hasn't really been known for subtlety throughout <laughs> the movie. Um, <laughs> True. So I True. think it's, it makes sense for them to have this moment. And I think they really wanted audiences to feel that um, for sure, like they, they set them free and kind of the exhilaration of that. Yeah, no, yeah. that's true. Totally. 
Yeah, I want to, does anybody else have anything they want to mention? Uh, just the way that Leia came back into the ship. I, so <laughs> her death, I was like, well, that wasn't as dramatic as I would expect her death to be. Mm. Um, I just, I don't know. I figured that there would be more ceremony to it when she got swept out into the, uh, into open space. But then she wasn't dead. <laughs> and then like flew in I don't know. It was probably one of the worst special effects. Like it was, it <laughs> looked absolutely ridiculous. That's very true. And I just, I couldn't stop laughing. And like, I didn't know how to feel at that moment. I mean, Leia's a space witch. Of course, we all knew this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I don't know. It was, I feel like it was supposed to be such a powerful moment. And I was like, this is just corny as hell. I can't mm. deal with it. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad True. you I'm glad you brought up Carrie Fisher um, mm. because that was kind of I wanted to maybe close the episode talking about her. Yes. Yes. I first of all love Carrie Fisher mm-hmm. with yes. all of my heart. I feel like that's probably a common sentiment amongst us. Um, when she died just over a year ago, I took it super hard, like way harder mm. than I should probably um you know given that I've never met her or whatever but she was just such a strong and powerful person and like so open about the stuff that she had gone through and the hardships in her life and like yet she managed to be so incredible and inspiring and just like hilarious and somebody that lived life out loud in such an inspiring way and I remember I went to go see Rogue One just like I think it was like the day after she died maybe Mm -hmm. um so I was a little late to seeing it but like when she came on the screen at the end you know like the semi-CGI um young Leia I just I like started crying you know just like I don't know she I think means something she's so special to so many women both for her her Leia character and for who she was outside of it Um, Mm -hmm. and I think especially one of the things that these new Star Wars, um, the new sequels have done is take Leia even further outside the, like, badass princess that, that George Lucas kind of made her, you know, she was, she was, like, a badass, she had a connection to the Force, but she was also, like, the love interest for Luke before he found out that they were siblings, (laughs) and then, you know had this complicated relationship with Han Solo who you know he was he was like this hot guy but he never quite treated her the way he should have and like we find out you know in her memoir that Harrison Ford was a lot like that too and she seeing her become this sort of self-possessed general who everybody looks to not just because she's Leia Organa but because she's competent and fierce and just incredible was really rewarding I think for me to see that portrayed on film and to think about you know like the idea that women can be strong and powerful you know even when they're older and command respect um, on the basis of you know like who they are and what they do and Carrie Fisher just kind of embodied all of that on screen and off and I really miss her y'all I really miss her. Me too. Yeah. 
No, she's the fucking best. And like she was just like a champion of mental illness awareness as mm-hmm. well, which is yeah. like super crucial to all of us. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do in the next one, because I can see it either being like in the opening credits, it'll be like General Organa died peacefully in her sleep or something or <laughs> like or I could see them trying to have a different actor play her which you know has happened in the past um but I I feel like they like she would be a hard one for yeah. people for people to to do that with um but we are about out of time if that's cool <laughs> sorry sorry no, to unceremoniously like cut everything off um can but, I add in something really quick? And yeah. If there isn't time, you can cut it out. So I wanted to share a Star Wars-related analogy for left organizing um, that my partner actually said a little while ago. But because on the far left, and especially with socialists, we have this kind of old guard of people who were doing, you know, participating in socialism and really kind of, like, held the torch and kept it lit for, for like, our generation and all the new activists coming through. Um, he made the analogy that it is really kind of like the old Jedis that were like really mm. tired and just waiting for the the new people to come and take up the mantle. And I think that's really apt. Yeah. Yes. And and the end sort of when there's this like small band of people who are like really disheartened uh-huh. and like looking at the world all around them and, and sort of the rise of galactic fascism again or whatever. Right. That was, I mean, that was, that, that was really touching. And it, to me, just meant so much thinking like, this is kind of where, you know, not to be like one of the liberals who's constantly talking about Harry Potter, but like, this is kind of where we're at sometimes it feels, you know, like there's, there's not that many of us and what we're up against feels so big, but like looking at the people in that cave, you know, in the Millennium Falcon, whatever, it's like, maybe, maybe we can do it. And that Mm. in and of itself was just so valuable. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a lot of Luke's hanging out, you know, in obscure places drinking green milk that have a lot of valuable information and could be helpful too. <laughs> exactly, precisely, precisely. <laughs> so as always, you can catch us on Instagram and Twitter at Season of the Bee. We're on Facebook. You can email us. Please send us your music at Season of the Bee at gmail dot com. Yeah, um, we have merch. We have, and you know, you can always support us on Patreon and rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Yep. All right, y'all. All right. It's been good. Yay. Yay. Love you guys. May the force, right. be, with you. The force be with you. Love y'all. <laughs> Love you. Bye. Bye. Bitch.